0: Welcome to Roundhill Radio, the podcast from Roundhill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary by moments of grace and peace and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Good morning, Ed.
1: Good morning, Leslie.
0: Welcome back to the Roundhill Media Studios. Well, thank
1: you. It's always good to be welcomed back here.
0: I remembered to hit record.
1: Way to go. I had faith in you.
0: Thank you so much. It's already a better episode. So hi, everybody. Thank you so much, by the way, for your nice comments about my total oopsie last week. <laughs> You're very generous. A-, a
1: forgiving and loving group.
0: What they really are. Thank we you. have a great audience, I have to say. <laughs> Speaking of being a great audience, if you want to be a great audience member to Round Home Media, would you do me a huge favor? Mm. And I want to solo out my screen for this. Would you be a great audience <laughs> member and hit subscribe? To our channel please i would greatly appreciate <laughs> it we have been hovering i'm just gonna say it. we've been hovering at the 100 subscriber mark for a while now and at 100 mark youtube gives you like magical mystical powers powers customization powers that mm-hmm. i'm dying to have and i need like three more people <laughs> so i'd be so grateful i think you would enjoy it we put out lots of fun videos we have some new stuff coming up here yes in the next few weeks. So we have a special uh, Bible-related video. I'll tease that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to record it today, but at, <laughs> at an optometry <laughs> appointment, so reading <laughs> apparently is a challenge.
1: It's not good.
0: <laughs> and then next week, I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be brave. You might hear hammering and drilling during our episode, and which are, is I mean, it's music to my ears.
1: It reinforces it's a work in progress.
0: Yes, for sure. (laughs) Um, But it's music to my ears because it is the electricians running Cat 6 cable, which I find. I I feel very official saying Whatever that that is. Whatever that is. Um, But they are running cables, which means that we will be able to live stream from this space, which I'm hoping to do next Monday, September. What would that be? 20? No. 20th. 20th. Yes. Thank you. September 20th at noon Eastern.
1: It's going to be fun.
0: I'm so excited. So we are launching a new live stream called Lunchtime Live. Um, It will be conversations kind of like this. It will be this sort of casual chat. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing about live is that if you're on there with us at the same time, it will be on YouTube. Is that you can be part of our conversation. You can have comments. You can ask questions. All the things. I'm extremely excited about this.
1: Increasing the conversation. It'll be wonderful. My
0: uh, YouTube guru, Heather Ramirez, shout out to Heather, um, said something brilliant the other day, which was that we're not trying to create an audience. We're trying to create a community.
1: Oh, I love that. And this idea
0: really came out of that, of Mm. like, how do we, we know we have so many wonderful community members who join as a part of our YouTube space Mm -hmm. as Roundhill Media. And so we want to like connect with you. Mm. so grab your lunch next monday mm-hmm. and hopefully many monday more many that's hard to say many mondays more <laughs> yes alliteration uh for lunchtime live at noon eastern
1: it's going to be exciting i love that comment about moving from audience to community, community. yeah yeah increasing the sacred conversation
0: oh i think that's a subtitle folks it might i think be. we found the subtitle so we'll pivot to this lovely book you have in your hand
1: i have a book yes and uh this is a book that actually i'm on my second read through of it really love it and have been inviting other people um, in our circle of friends and community to read it it's called 12 steps to a compassionate life it's by karen armstrong and there was a a beautiful story in this book in the section on compassion for yourself hmm. so we've been thinking about what does that mean compassion for yourself. Because sometimes it's a hard, it's a little bit of a tricky topic to talk about because people think of self-indulgence. Sure. You know, I'm going to, oh, please, you know, I'm going to exercise more love towards myself in a world that really is crumbling at the, you know, in in every possible way. Yeah. So, however, that's not what Karen Armstrong talks about. Self-compassion is really about uh, learning actually how to love the world in a richer, deeper, more meaningful way by loving ourselves that way as well. So if we're not treating ourselves particularly well, chances are we might not be treating the world particularly well. So simple simple lesson, all contained in this phrase, love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is a phrase and an idea that you can find really across all the world religions. So she has this great story in the chapter Compassion, Conf- Compassion for Yourself about the late rabbi uh, Albert Friedlander. Who grew up um, in a very tragic time? He was growing up in Nazi Germany. And just at the outset of the Second World War, he was about eight years old. And so there was so much rhetoric around him about, um, you know, that the Nazis were using about Jews. So this little boy had this remarkable sense of self awareness and presence when he was eight years old. And uh, as she says in her book, he had grown up in Nazi Germany and as a child was bewildered and distressed by the vicious anti-Semitic propaganda that assailed him on all sides. One night when he was about eight years old, he deliberately lay awake and made a list of all of his good qualities. He told himself firmly that he was not what the Nazis said, that he had talents and special gifts of heart and mind. Which he enumerated to himself one by one. And he vowed that if he survived, he would use those qualities to build a better world. I think that's a wonderful example of self compassion.
0: That's amazing. Isn't that? And
1: it's just a kind of very simple thing to say these are all the qualities that I think are really great Mm -hmm. about myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use those qualities to bring greater goodness to the world. And I think that's the balance. It's not just looking at ourselves and thinking, I'm really kind of a great person. Uh, It's uh, that how do I have these spiritual gifts, these strengths that I can then use to help other people, which is exactly what he did. He became a rabbi and a religious leader, probably touched the lives of thousands of people during the course of his lifetime.
0: Yeah. It makes me think about, you know, (laughs) there's a Peloton instructor who talks about, uh, changing the channel mm. of the chatter in your head. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not in the situation like this young rabbi was, that we still have forces, sometimes our own negative thoughts mm-hmm. that, that make us think these terrible things about ourselves. So that we have this sort of negative self-talk and maybe that exercise mm. is a, is a way that we can, counter that negative self-talk.
1: Fantastic uh, example, I would completely agree. And in fact, uh, that idea, nice segue. Oh, hey. Beautifully done. (laughs) Thanks. uh, Touches on another book that I've been looking at these days, (laughs) which sounds like it's moving in a completely different direction, but it's called The Comfort Crisis. It's by a man named Michael Easter. And to your point about exercise, he said that um, really one of the best ways sometimes to show Compassion for ourselves is to stretch ourselves, mm. you know, to put ourselves in, in in the right I guess I would use this phrase the right kind of stress mm-hmm. you know, not too much. So it's actually damaging us. Yeah, but Exercise wise it's pushing ourselves. It's like a, a, a challenge a challenge. Yeah And this could be a challenge that we set for ourselves on a daily basis related to exercise It could be one huge challenge that we do on an annual basis and in his book, he talks about uh, you know this this practice that uh, happens, I believe, within Japanese culture. I believe I believe it's called misoji, hmm. which is a way of identifying for ourselves a challenge uh, at which we will have a fifty percent chance of failing.
0: That's a pretty high percentage. It's a really high percentage. <laughs> yeah, I probably don't enter anything unless I'm like. A good 75% sure I'm going to be just fine. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm I'm the same way. Yeah, my threshold for success is pretty, yeah, I don't take many
1: chances. (laughs) Well, I I think the one thing that I found fascinating about this book is that when we set that level of challenge for ourselves periodically, Mm -hmm. uh, and again, he said, you know, it's supposed to be something also at which you do not hurt yourself. (laughs)
0: I appreciate that you want
1: to be able to survive this thing. Good. Good. Yeah, but it could be arbitrary You can you know move a pile of rocks from one place to the next or whatever it is (laughs) It's it's totally up to you, but he said that the mind uh, Neurologically, there's more and more understanding about how the mind relates to that kind of challenge because it actually is creating additional neural pathways so that uh, it's, the, the mind in a sense gets refreshed and cleansed by this process because it likes a challenge. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is something that I find that's very interesting about self-compassion. In one sense, how to be affirming of ourselves, mm-hmm. right, of the qualities we already have, but the comfort crisis says, says, yes, do that, and then also periodically find an appropriate way to stretch yourself. Yeah, And it's almost like, you know, I was thinking about the, the the way the church year unfolds. There are some seasons of the church year where we're actually supposed to stretch ourselves. The season of Lent um, can be like that. So you have 40 days to do something that's out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that, that wisdom, in other words, is just kind of woven into these great sacred traditions of the world.
0: Yeah, you kind of find it in, in so many different places. Mm. I like that a lot because I feel like... That I'm. That's very tied into my own personality. Of I like to to if I like try a new hobby, I always want to do like the thing that's a little bit too hard for me.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. You know,
0: and it's I I my whole family's kind of like this. we always <laughs> like, so there's a thing we could do. So what's how far can we push this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like learning something new and trying to like just dive in and trying and, and like that kind of element of like you know it's it's like what is failure mm. right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i find the the acronym a little irritating but they you know they say fail is first attempt in learning oh right uh, which is like uh, that's well yeah how are you like gonna it. learn if you don't fail like you if you're not trying hard enough you know you're right i feel like fail failure is almost something like if you're not failing you're not trying hard enough
1: right you At- know and that's why I think in weightlifting, uh, it's you're supposed to push to failure. Right. Right? Right. So that becomes a very—that's that, that, the way, in fact, the muscle grows. That's the goal. That is the goal.
0: The failure is the goal.
1: Interestingly enough, there was a, um, a Congregationalist scholar at the early part of the 20th century who wrote a book, um, wrote his own book of theology, and in it was a chapter called The Sacrament of Failure. Ooh. And he also said that in a, in a way failure is built into, it's built into the human life and it's built into the religious life because mm-hmm. we may say that we want to love people at all times. We want to be open and inclusive. Well, we're not all the time. No. Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> so it's okay. kind of a, kind of a given yeah. and we fail. Okay. We understand that. So that experience of failure, however, can lead us to become more reflective. Mm -hmm. What was it about that experience that caused me to fail? And how can I open my heart um, so that the next time I'm more inclusive, less judgmental, all of that? And I think the whole idea about self-compassion is we sort of get to practice on ourselves first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if we find that we're always evaluating ourselves, always judging ourselves then that's likely to be something that we might carry out into the world.
0: kind of spills over, right? It does, yeah. It's like that's how we approach. If that's how we approach ourselves, then that's how we can tend to approach other people if we're not, you know, trying, air quote, trying. You know what I mean? And I feel like there's a thing that I heard someone say, um, treat treat yourself like you're someone you love.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That would be really good.
0: Yeah, that's a nice idea considering you're you're your own lifetime partner. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. You are with yourself a lot. Your whole life, it turns out. Yeah,
1: yeah so start making friends early yeah. on.
0: No, which is hard.
1: Right. Well, and you mentioned early on in our conversation about the chatter.
0: Oh, the chatter. My uh <laughs> Dalcro's Eurythmics teacher called him the called it the dude. <laughs> Which I don't think he was talking about the Big Lebowski, but probably not. Once I saw the Big Lebowski in my like early thirties, that's all I can think about now. But yeah, so that chatter that is for musicians especially, right? So mm. we're playing a piece of music and this voice comes in and it goes, You're you're gonna screw up. Yep. You're gonna mess up. Is that a sharp or is that a natural? I don't know. Do you know if it's a sharp or a natural? I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? And then you panic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And then you can hear that inner self just rubbing its hands together with yeah. glee. Like, like, yeah. Did it, did it derailed yeah. that screwed her up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it like, and, and that the power of my doctoral teacher, loved this shout out to David Brown, that um, he loved this idea of you kind of, I hate the word. I don't like this word very much, but you manifest what you think hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So, and that the brain I'm going on a tangent, but the okay. brain doesn't understand the word not. Hmm. So for instance, while well, I'll do an exercise. Do not think about your nose. <laughs> the first thing you do is think about your nose. How's my nose looking? Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. It's the first thing you think about because the brain goes, oh, do not. But in order to not, you have to do. So that was musicians. <laughs> we try to kind of hack this system. And so you fill, you try to fill your inner chatter with useful stuff. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. I have a little mantra that my organ teacher in college gave me, which is calm focus, mm. which if you know me is the opposite <laughs> of my normal state. <laughs> so calm focus. He wrote it on the top of like every piece of music of mine. Must have been a... I get, I'm, I get excited.
1: Revolutionary insight.
0: Yeah. So I just calm focus, yeah. calm focus. I've been known, I remember in... One of my recitals, I think I did a grocery list in my head, just to kind of because I was having trouble with the chatter, and I needed to just think about something else. Yeah, and I think I thought about bananas.
1: Sort of a creative, you know, dislocation. Yes. Yeah.
0: So there's a couple. You know, I offer those couple solutions that musicians have because we're in. You know, when you're in this. State of like you do it once and this is the time that you do it, right? So, like a a performance situation, which is very high stress, you feel I don't know, I can only speak for myself. I feel a little bit out of body, Mm. like, I don't feel fully centered always, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is always the challenge for me is like bringing my heart rate down, really just focusing on the doing Mm. and not the something someone said was think about what you're doing and not how you're doing. Mm. Mm -hmm. So think about focusing on the actual doing and not on the like, is this good enough? Am I good enough? Is this good enough? Am I good enough? Right. Cause that just keeps like, that keeps you from the actual act of doing, which in my situation is like playing the pipe organ, Um, which is I have enough to do. (laughs) Yeah, let, let that be enough. I had a conversation with my my husband yesterday where he was commenting that I bounce my head a lot when I'm playing the organ, and I had and I I needed to explain that that's because it's the only appendage I have left to conduct the choir. Because oh, <laughs> it's not something you think about, but it's all I have left. Right. I have I have nodding. This is it. This is all I got. Because everything else is taken. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> i'm a little busy but it, you know in that act of in that time where every like every part of your person is is taken over by this doing mm-hmm. how you do it and your approach to it matters matters so much mm. do you feel that way when it comes to like delivering a sermon like wh- what i'm so curious about like, what do you think about do you think about something else or are you just is it word like, What's what's your chatter when you're delivering a message?
1: Well, you know, I think that uh, when there's a little bit of flow going, which is what we all hope for, right yeah. in life, that it's kind of, it's kind of like being part of this right now. It's a conversation, and even though the congregation may not be talking back, although yes, you know, and and, and sometimes that does happen, right? Mm-hmm. There's an actual conversation, but it's trusting that there is a a conversation taking place and you know that when people are listening they're thinking their thoughts and they're they're ruminating on things right puzzling things through yeah. and i think that's when it's at its best if it feels like there's um, a little bit of a split that's taken place and you're sort of aware of yourself preaching oh, yeah, that's a very disconcerting yeah. kind of moment right yeah. um, being less in the moment than just Trusting that there is an actual connection that's being forged, and um, I do. I want to go back to one thing that you were talking about, though, in terms of how you're how we talk to ourselves as a as a loved one, right, mm. or as a friend. I mean, yeah. you think about it, if you go to a friend and we look for advice or counsel or encouragement, um, they usually speak in a nice, encouraging, you know, if they're right. a friend, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and I. I remember that it came as a kind of a revelation to me, like, wait, I can speak to myself this way. And I I was thinking about this yesterday while watching the men's final of the U.S. Open tennis tournament. How could I not be like thinking of this, yeah. right? Like yeah. I do. But they were saying that Daniel Medvedev, who wound up winning the tournament, um, when they asked him, what's going on inside your head in a match? He said, it's a tornado. Oh, So, he has had to learn how to talk to himself Mm -hmm. in the match. Otherwise, he used to find that his inner emotions would spill over so much, he would totally lose focus on his game plan and the whole thing would just come crashing. Now, yesterday, looking at him, he looked so completely calm, Hmm. that calm presence. But you know that inside his head, a lot of stuff is going on, but at least a major force in there is that he has learned how to talk to himself. And I would say my great philosophy of life moment here, that a big part of learning how to live well is learning how to talk to ourselves. I think you're right. And that can be a Uh, And a real gift of and and a practice of self-compassion that then can spill over to everybody else. Because sometimes unwittingly, we can be really hard on ourselves. And many times during the course of a day, I find myself saying, up, 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 Mm. just as I start down a road. I say, wait, 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 you don't need to go there. And over time, I've gotten better at simply saying, "Yeah, you're right. Uh, let that go. I don't need to. I don't need to revisit that story. Yeah. I don't need to think that through again. Let's move on to something else. You've covered that.
0: Yeah, that you don't gain anything by by you know going in a circle. Yeah. around that. But that's such a powerful thing to be able to 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 stop. Yeah, and be like that's not useful yeah. to me. <laughs> Is this is really
1: helpful right this now. Really to be- helpful
0: right now, but also like it's this this kind of idea of we have so much. I seem to come back to this a lot in our podcast. We have so much control over mm-hmm. kind of our our bubble. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we can. I feel like we when there's so many negative outer outside forces coming at us, mm-hmm. we have so much control over the chatter and mm-hmm. the choice of how we are going to start our day and approach our day and talk to ourselves and therefore also treat and speak to others. You know,
1: I, I really agree with you. I think we have more as uh, I think the phrase we like to use these days is we have more capacity Right, yeah, that's in, much better than control in, in that regard. But <laughs> that's control, much, it's a more loving word. But it, but it is good too to think of it that way because uh, quite often these days we hear people say, like, oh, "I feel like everything's out of control." Mm-hmm. Like, what's the next thing that's gonna, you know, flame flame out? Right. And um, but in fact, there is a certain degree of healthy self control that we can use, and uh, I think that's. It, The the phrase that comes to me, I I was just thinking about something I realized many years ago in the story of Jesus. One of the first things that anyone said about him, which was a positive thing, was he spoke as one having authority. Hmm. And that word authority really means being the author of your own thoughts. Oh. Right, I like that. So the it's not being the authority; it's having the authority to say, "I've created these thoughts out of my own mind." In a sense, in a conversation with myself. Wow! And then that's the spirit I bring to others. And he then encourages other people to be the author of their lives constantly by Mm -hmm. asking questions, right, and bringing that forth from them.
0: Well, and that's so interesting because my my dear friend Julia and I talk about, um, you know, who. Is that negative voice in your head? Mm. And some <laughs> right. But like sometimes it it's it's the voice of of a person you've had particularly negative experiences yes. mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. becomes their their dialogue becomes your internal monologue. Mm-hmm. And so you're losing well that said. authority.
1: That's correct. And you've...
0: I think that, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, my friend and I, we talk about like you're trying to like make that go away. But there's something very empowering about, you're not making going you're, you're reclaiming.
1: That's it. That's a great word to describe it.
0: Your, your, your inner monologue, you're mm-hmm. reclaiming your conversations with yourself and you're reclaiming your headspace.
1: So true. And I think that's why that story is so wonderful from Karen Armstrong. Here's this little eight-year-old boy who's reclaiming his authority. He said, yeah. this is not who I am, Yeah. right? What they say about me is not who I am. This is who I am. And I'm going to be faithful to that.
0: I got goosebumps from how you called that back. That was so good. That was really well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a great story. <laughs> it's a great story. But I, it really comes all back to this idea of, of compassion for yourself, which then spills over right. to everything around you. Yeah, Because Be- it's like, if you can't do that for yourself, who who can you do it for? Yeah. You know?
1: you You really have to have, I think, in a sense, the experience of it in order for people to be able to sense that, oh yeah, we understand where you're talking you what you're talking about because clearly you've been down that road right, and you've wor- you know that we've worked hard at this, and I don't think that this um inner challenge ever goes away you know, sure, I, I think this is always part of who we are because we're we're always absorbing voices right right we're always interacting with with people and forces and things that may not be positive and affirming, and so right. on. Right. So we keep coming back to that.
0: Is that kind of what they consider when they call it the human condition? I'm never a hundred percent sure what they're talking uh, well, about. Well, I think
1: you're getting really close to it. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> this does feel like a condition, <laughs> <laughs> which there is no cure. <laughs> right, right. This is this is part of the landscape. We could look at it as an opportunity. You know, it's yeah. it's like an ongoing clarification process. But uh, okay. I think that's well said. You know, it is part of the human condition to be like this. Yeah. And uh, and yet the good news is that we have, as you point out, you know, we have this capacity to move beyond it, mm. and that's exciting. That's really exciting.
0: It is exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending oh, this time with me today, Ed.
1: Thank you, Leslie. This was a great episode. Great conversation. Uh, really fun.
0: And so we look forward to seeing you all back here next week. Thank you for joining us on Roundtable Radio, brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtable Community.